your handle and the years you were active on AOL? Sure. So my handle is Lucid. Screen name was Lucidity and from 94 to about 1996. When did you first use a computer? So I got my first computer when I was 13 um, for my birthday. Uh, It was a Packard Bell Pentium 60 megahertz. I think it had a whopping four megs of RAM um, and it was running Windows 3.1. And I remember downloading Windows 95 from AOL and I was like, ah, so excited, you know, and I'm downloading it. It's like, you know, 2 a.m. in the morning or something like that. And I remember falling asleep and uh, like right in front of my computer and waking back up and the download's still going. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Can you tell me about the first time you got an AOL? Yeah. So I had a legitimate AOL account um, that my parents got for me. You know, I was 13 years old and um, of course got into some stuff, right? Like most of us did. And the account got termed or tossed, I think was the, the term at the time. So I, I had like three violations um, and then they terminated your account. So I remember like playing around in the chat rooms and you used to do the little, you could play sounds, right? Uh, you know, you could, you could do a little S and then play a sound. And that got me one violation. I think I was swearing or cussing, doing something, got another violation. And then I don't remember really what my third one was, you know, just typical sort of teenage stuff. And, uh, and my account got terminated. And then I was, was off AOL temporarily. Oh, wow. I think I remember reading something about an exploit with AOL where you did the forward slash S. Because if you think about it, the forward slash S was playing like a wave file on the person's computer. So I think you could give it a different like path or something like that. Yeah, I remember that curly bracket S. And then, yeah, you, you would put the name of the wave file. But what you could do to really mess people up is if you put like the A drive. So if you did A colon backslash, right, and just did that over and over and over again, you know, computers were so slow at the time and you'd see the, you know, you'd see your floppy drive just. <clears throat> That's so funny. It always took forever to read the floppy drive. I remember too. Yep. Yep. If I clicked it by mistake in, in Windows Explorer, I always hated myself for like five seconds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Old technology. Yeah, right. So when you saw AOL for the first time, can you tell me like about where you saw it and how you got into like the programming scene? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I mentioned, so I, I had my legit AOL account, right? And that was terminated. So I was uh, also in the BBS scene at the time, um, just connecting the local bulletin boards around here and kind of got into the where scene through through BBSs. And that was kind of dying out, although we None of us probably realized it at the time. And I remember I downloaded AOL from a BBS and I thought, well, you know, let's give it a try, right? So I loaded up my AOL and I'm seeing like the account creation process and I'm seeing, okay, it's putting through all this fake address and then it gets to the credit card and it puts through this fake information. And all of a sudden I hear, you know, the, the welcome or whatever to AOL. And I was like, holy shit, I've got an AOL account again. That's awesome. So that, so once you got kicked off, that's how you got it back. Yep. Yep. And then that was, uh, you know, how I had my AOL accounts for the next couple of years. How did you find the where is scene on AOL? You know, I, I don't really remember exactly how I, how I stumbled into it. You know, I was familiar with the where is scene from my BBS, you know, connecting to BBSs. And, and I just remember it all happening pretty quickly. Like looking back at it, I was like, man, this, this whole thing probably only took a year or two, but it seems like it like took a whole bunch of time, but it seemed like it happened really quickly. And I remember just like hanging out in the where's rooms and then just, just kind of going from there. For some reason, I think I started with whereas an IRC and I, you had to like 
there was servers and you had to like upload a certain amount to download a certain amount. And then the whole like mm -hmm. freeware errors movement started and I ended up switching from RSC to AOL or something. Do you mm -hmm. remember like the, the freeware scene and stuff like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. It sounds like you went from IRC to AOL. I went from AOL to IRC. Um, <laughs> so. yeah, eventually I went back to IRC, but yeah. Yeah. So um, I was a member of FWA, which was the, the freewares Alliance. Um, and I think I was a, I think I was a VP. I've, I've been looking to find, um, like remember one of those info files, you know, that listed like the president and the VP and, and all that stuff that the groups had. And I've been trying to find one of those, but I can't, but, um, so yeah, I, you know, the Freewares Alliance was a, a group on AOL that I think at least I was told was one of the original sort of wares groups. And the, the whole premise was that wares should be free, right? You shouldn't have to pay for it. And that's really what I remember, like the, the FWA and the Freewares theme being about. I kind of remember, what was it like before FWA on AOL? You know, I think it was like, I, I think it was trading. It was sort of before my time, right? I sort of jumped into it. And then really what I remember is just, you know, okay, yep, you're going to be, you know, a member of, of FWA and it, it gave us a bunch of credibility. And, you know, I, I don't really remember if people were trading or what, but I just remember like everyone, oh, you know, free the wares, you know, wares should be free and all that stuff. I, I remember the whole free movement and I remember liking it because I hated having to upload a certain amount to be able to download a certain amount like on IRC and I was mm -hmm. very very for the freewares movement so I definitely remember FWA and they, okay. they were like they're like my heroes <laughs> yeah yeah and I, you know it's funny I don't it, you know sort of like you're, you're talking about like the upload and the, and the downloading sort of like that ratio I remember that on like BBS systems but I don't remember that on AOL probably because just the time that I joined into it so when you uploaded on the BBS where were the files stored were they stored on that server or how'd that work yeah, so like uh, a BBS is, is uh, you know, it's a bulletin board system, right? So anybody could have one. If you had a computer, right, you could start a bulletin board system. You needed a phone line, right? People would call into that phone line. And when you uploaded files or downloaded files, it was stored on that person's computer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was real. You know, BBS was like a real thing, like in the, you know, 80s and, and stuff like that. Real old technology. Did you ever get into uh, cracking accounts? or finding any type of like AOL accounts, uh, AOL internal accounts? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I definitely did. So I remember there being kind of like four types of, of AOL accounts, right? There was like, you know, the regular accounts that, that anybody would have, right? And, you know, you could pay for those accounts, although I doubt anybody ever really did, right? Um, more often you would, you know, you would use a stolen credit card, you know, you'd card those accounts or you could fish those accounts. Um, those were kind of like, basically throwaway accounts, right? Like they were just regular accounts nobody really cared about. And then another type of account was, um, they were called invoice accounts. Whether that was like a, a real name for the account or an official name for the account, I, I don't remember. But the whole thing with those types of accounts was there wasn't any billing, a credit card associated with them. So uh, apparently what it was, was an invoice would get sent out to whatever address was on file for those type of accounts. And those accounts would never get terminated. Um, like you would if there was a credit card associated, you know, like AOL would try to hit your credit card. If they couldn't bill it, they'd cancel the account. Well, with these invoice accounts, I don't know, they would just send out invoices and they would never cancel the account. Like a purchase order or something. And they just expected them to pay it, but they never followed up on it. Yeah. From what I understand, that, that's what it was, was they would just keep on sending out invoices. And, and um, I actually, I had an invoice account for years, probably going into, you know, the early 2000s. 
and it, it never got canceled. Wow, interesting. That sounds like a lack of internal process, like following up on the invoices, like accounts, like you know, payable. Oh yeah, and, you know, they probably didn't care, right? Because it was what you know, twenty bucks a month, whatever the heck it was, you know, and they just let it add up. You know, the, the the thing that I think was interesting was, you know, how I got my invoice account was like really bizarre. I remember, um, you know, I was talking to somebody online and they were like, yeah, you, you call this number and you basically request, you know, you we request an account. Remember like um, on the AOL discs and CDs to sign up for an account, you would have like a, it was like two words and a bunch of numbers. Do you remember that like code, I, you know? Oh, you had mentioned it. Yeah. 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 Um, and I remember, so I called up this 800 number and, you know, I was like a 14 year old kid, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I need an account. You know, I can only imagine what I sounded like, you know, and um, this person just like took my information, which I don't even know what information I gave. And they gave me like a, a special, you know, one of those, one of those codes to sign up for an account. And I, and I signed up for it and, and had it forever. That's great. So then how did you, how did you get overhead accounts or internal accounts? So overhead accounts, um, so those overhead accounts were, you know, kind of special accounts, right? You could, you could scroll with them in the chat room, but they also had access to special keywords, right? Like I remember um, ARC, which was like the AOL resource center. And you could go to like, I think a couple of them were like colors, like red or blue, you know, these, these were like special keywords within AOL that you had to have, you know, special permissions to go to. Um, I think the word AOL used was view rule. They had a special view rule, you know, to get to those. So um, guide accounts were overhead accounts, right? And everyone remembers kind of fighting with guides and how they had the ability to kick you off and do all that kind of stuff. So one story I remember is a way to get a guide account, right? So it's a little bit of an exploit was um, the word Lotsen in German apparently means guide. I don't know any German, but I know that word still, right? And if you went to create a screen name and the screen name was in use, AOL would sort of generate one that was sort of like the one that you wanted to use, right? So, you know, if, if, you know, if, if I put in some screen name that was in use and say, hey, instead of using that, use this one that, that sounds kind of like it, right? And if you typed in Lotsen, the German word for guide, it would say, okay, yep, this, this is in use, you know, and you'd pick another one and you'd hit it again, say, oh, this is in use. And then after I think like the third time, it would say, well, why don't you use, you know, locked in with some letters after it? And if you hit okay, it would, ge- it, it lets you generate that account and boom, you had a guide account. Wow. That's incredible. So the only problem was it must have tripped AOL's, you know, security, you know, the, the security ops people almost immediately. Because I just remember those accounts dying so quick. Like if, if it wasn't within like minutes, it was in like hours, but you had access to the account, you could scroll, you could access things you weren't supposed to. It's a cool little exploit. It didn't live for that long though. I wonder how they, they knew that it wasn't permitted, like what their internal process was, how they knew you weren't specifically permitted to use it. You know, I don't know. My, my guess is that anything, and just total guess, my guess would be anything with like a, a restricted sort of name in the screen name, right? If it's a guide or if it's a Lotsen account or whatever it is, they must have had somebody reviewing those. And, you know, they would be like, oh, this, this screen name got created, right? Is it, does it look, is it legitimate, you know? And I, I don't know the process behind it, but they got rid of them pretty quickly. I wonder if Lotsen was used by like their internal quality assurance team or something and like they just never removed it in production or they couldn't remove it in production. No, so it, it was the, from what I understand, if you were a guide in Germany that you would have a Lotsen rename. Oh, I wonder if you try to just type guide and then your username 
when you signed up in America, would it say that's restricted, I wonder? Yeah, it would say like it would say, you know, this is a restricted name, can't use it. But if you were in America and you typed in Lofton for a screen name, that's how the that's how the exploit worked. I wonder if yeah. you're in Germany and you typed in guide. <laughs> right, right. You know, now that I'm thinking about it back in, you know, what, twenty five years ago, like America Online, how many people in Germany were using America Online? Yeah, I want I wonder if they oh, I should try to find like the wave file. It would probably be like Guten Tag. Yeah, yeah, exactly exactly, right? Exactly. Um, so yeah, I've never really thought about it, but there couldn't have been that many people using AOL in Germany back then. They do speak pretty good English. I don't know. <laughs> what special keywords did you go to? Like, have you heard the Rain Man tool or anything? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, when I was on AOL was probably kind of at the infancy of people were just starting to figure out all that stuff. I, I, I remember the, I think the first tool that leaked was the master AOL tool or the, the star tool. Do you remember that? No, I, I don't know anything about it. If you could tell me about it, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, it, it was an internal tool that, I don't know, somebody discovered and leaked it to the community. And on the, the AOL um, menu bar at the top, right, you'd have like file and I don't remember what else was on top there at the time. But if you had the star tool, it added a star to the left of where it said file. You know, it was like the first menu there, right? had all these options. And I remember a bunch of them didn't really work. You know, nobody really knew what the heck it was. It was like AOL internal sort of, you know, lingo. But one of the ones that worked was you were able to invoke these form numbers, right? So every window that got painted on AOL or generated on AOL had a form number that nobody ever saw. It was like an identifier. So I would go through and I would start scanning these numbers you know, these form numbers to see what you could bring up. And that was a way of getting to different places on AOL and getting to different areas that you really weren't supposed to have permission to get into. So this is different than like using an API spy tool. Yeah. So this wasn't really development. Um, it wasn't, yeah, like it wasn't like using the API where you could like look for like AOL frame 25 and it would find a, you know, find the AOL. But this was actually, it, it had some sort of tie-in into the backend database with AOL where I could say, okay, you know, form, I'm just going to make up a number, you know, form 3006 is the AOL welcome form and 3007 maybe is the AOL resource center. And you could just start pulling up forms. So you never really knew what you were going to get. So people would start scanning these form numbers and documenting them. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think that was Rain Man. I, I read about it and you, you could create new forms by sending an email to this email address with like mm-hmm. your code. And then it would generate one of those, one of those number pages or whatever. Yeah. And, and then and whatever you, Whatever you sent in the email address, that's what would show up, uh, the code or whatever. Yeah. That, so this is probably very early days. This is probably before people figured out how to do that. This is probably, you know, they, they were they were just starting to mess around with it. Interesting. Yeah. I remember subclassing AOL and adding my own menus just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was called a master AOL or the or the star tool. Um, and I think it was first available in, in version 2.5. And then there was a, another version that got leaked for AOL version 3, I think I remember correctly. It was just like an executable you would run and it would add it there or you had to have a special account? No, you didn't have to have a special account or anything like that. You could use it with regular accounts. And there was a bunch of other options. I remember trying to play around with some of those, but I didn't really get far. And I remember like one of them, every time you'd go to it, it would like crash AOL. <laughs> no idea why. I was like, yeah, it's not one to, it's not a good option. Like a general protection fault or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah GPF. <laughs> I haven't seen one of those in years. I, yeah, yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> 
What was the difference between the overhead account and the internal account? Yeah. So um, overhead accounts, I don't, I, I think AOL employees had internal accounts, right? So if you were, if you, if you were an AOL employee, they would give you an internal account. I think if you, if you were like a guide or still maybe a volunteer of some sort, you would have an overhead. At least that's what I remember it being. So internal accounts definitely had a whole nother set and slew of permissions that were really just reserved for, for AOL employees, right? Um, and it's actually interesting because looking back on it, I, I used to talk to two AOL internal employees pretty frequently. And I have no, looking back on it, I'm like, how did I end up talking to these guys? You know, and, and I still don't really remember it, but I, I had, I had two guys that I used to talk to all the time that were, that were AOL employees. And they told you about the, the differences with the accounts or what did you talk with them about? So not really. It's funny looking back at it, you know, they were really sort of tight lipped about what they would talk about. Like I, I used to talk to this guy, his name was Chris. And he had a screen name that was like his first initial and part of his last name, right? And that was it. No letters, no numbers. And, you know, that was sort of a lot of internal accounts were like that. You know, they had special, you know, special things that like we couldn't get, you know, like, you know, special accounts. They didn't have any numbers after them, anything like that. Um, so I was talking to this guy, this guy, Chris, and, and he would talk to me about, um, you know, talk to me about his family. We would talk about whatever, you know, and, and um, I was probably 13, 14 at the time. And he, I remember he was like 19, 20. And, you know, he told me that he worked for AOL. And, I, you know, and I, I would ask him like, hey, do you know about like, you know, the master AOL? Do you know about the star tool? You know, and he would just be like, no, no, you know, I didn't. So what I'm thinking, you know, looking back at it is he was probably trying to get information from me, but I just didn't realize it at the time. You know, I was, I was a kid, you know, and I would probably give him all this information you know, he probably, you know, about, you know, different where's rooms and there's just, just, just things that came up in conversation. Um, and I remember, I, you know, I was talking to him and I was like, so what do you, you know, what exactly do you do for AOL? You know, and he would always kind of play it off. Like at the time he was like, oh, you know, I, I'm doing this thing for AOL. It's not even really about the windows program. It's, it's, I'm, I'm working on, you know, AOL web servers. Um, and at the time, I'm like, what, you know, what does AOL have to do with web servers? You know, it's like the mid, mid, mid nineties. I didn't even correctly know what the web was, you know? Yeah. And I think that would made a bit, I mean, maybe he was, but I think that was something that he just told me because later on, you know, we, we talked for what seemed like years, but was definitely must've just been months. Um, he told me, he was like, Hey, you know, I, I've been working for, for SecOps, which is the security operations part of, of AOL. And I was like, get the hell out, you know? And he was like, he was like, oh no, yeah, I've, I've been back working for, you know, for that department for a few months now. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, son of a bitch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like you were his source. Yeah. Like, I feel like he was probably doing this with a few of us, you know, just, just gaining some information. Um, and he actually introduced me to another guy, uh, this guy, Paul, and he had, um, he was another AOL internal employee and he had a, his, his, uh, screen name was his nickname. You know, it was like five characters long. Like it looked, you know, it was like kind of like a, a cool looking screen name for the time. And, and I started talking with him and I don't remember what the heck I said to him, but I, I said something to him. And next thing, you know, you, I hear like the, the goodbye, you know, that the AOL, you know, the signing off, I'm like I didn't, I didn't sign off, you know, and it was the first time he bumped me. So, um, and I wish I had a screenshot of this. I thought it was so cool at the time, although it pissed me off was, you know, he, I, it signed me off. And instead of like the normal, you know, saying like whatever AOL used to say when he used to sign off, it said like, you know, 
don't piss me off or something like that, you know? And I was like, oh man, this guy, this guy's on a different level than I am. Like he's got some permissions and some things that I'll never be able to get to. Wow. That's really cool. <laughs> I thought it was the time. I just wish I would have realized what was, what was going on. You know, I think they must've just been kind of pumping me for information. I was just too, you know, too naive and I didn't really realize what was going on. And not that I had a whole lot of information to give them anyways. Right. I mean, it's just some kid. Yeah. It's kind of sounds like they were getting information from you. It's kind of like in the movie Matrix, where like they discover something that's you know abnormal, and they send out like all the Mr. Andersons or whatever. Right. And so, right. Like, they release, release Catwatch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, and, and like looking back at it, I'm like, why would some 20 year old guy that works for AOL want to talk to me, who's like, you know, some 14 year old kid? Like, it just doesn't doesn't make sense. That's so funny that their security was so poor that they had to like rely on teenagers to get them information to like right. find out where the where is stuff right? was. But I mean, everything was so new at the time, you know, I mean, like the whole, I think that's why we, all of us sort of gravitated to the, the AOL community, like everything, you know, talking to people online was new, right? Everything was new. I, so I got to believe that their security was pretty piss poor too, in that sense. It just hadn't been developed yet. Right. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, okay, let me do a search of the email on AOL that's you know above three megabytes. And, mm-hmm. you know, or, or like, or you just like search for the word like Adobe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it has a zip file. Like, I'm sure you would find like, okay, this is a user who's sending it. Let me see what rooms they've accessed. Like, they're right. aware of the rooms. But like, I guess right. that was like either above their head or there was like probably like regulatory, like legal stuff where they weren't allowed to, to just search in users' mailboxes. Probably. Maybe that was it too. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there's probably some of that. And then, like, I mean, yeah, we knew that, like, the the, the, the AOL mail, you know, must have been a database. But like, you know, the the chats and the the lists of the rooms and stuff. Like, who knows what was logged there? I mean, we had no idea. Yeah, I think they had. I think you had to get legal permission or something. Yeah, I would. I would think so. Um, but it, you know, it's funny. So I talked to these these internal guys for a while, and like, I got like, you know, like no information about it. You know, about AOL from it. And I'm looking back on it. I'm like, man, I I really. I, sh- I should have probably gotten some more information from them if I could have, but but I couldn't. And I, you know, the only thing I, I think I got was I remember Chris saying to me at one point he was like he was like yeah you know to to log in to to my account you know I, I have to enter in this code and I was like password like yeah so do I you know like whatever and he's like no no you enter in your password and then you got to enter in you know another code and I have this box that sits on my desk and it generates these codes for me. And it was like a precursor to, you know, 2FA, basically. It was like a, an RSA token before an RSA token. I think it was called like a, a defender box or something like that. Um, and maybe that was just his way of being like, hey, you're never going to be able to log into any internal accounts. Like, good luck. <laughs> That's interesting. I think I heard something about people like who would trick folks into giving them the code. <laughs> to, yeah. To like defend their error. Yeah. Well, I, I remember I, I heard, I think people started using like the, you know, the sub sevens and the back orifices and that kind of stuff. So like that would connect them to like computer on the internal network of AOL. And maybe that bypassed that code or something like that. I don't, I don't really know. Maybe I like the way it works now, if you want to bypass multi-factor is you have, you have to compromise like active directory because active directory, it holds the private key that generates the tickets for Active Directory. So if you can compromise that, you can just write your own tickets. But that's like, you know, right. years later. Pa- yeah, this is like, yeah, this is like old school tech, you know, like, because like my goal, which I was like, I wanted to get into like Merlin or Chris, which was like the, the AOL, like user and billing databases. Do you, do you remember hearing about those? I heard about it. I don't know 
And I don't really know much about it though. Did you know anything about it? No, because I, I think I left the scene before I was able to get there. But like, I remember hit the master AOL, the star tool and hitting all these, you know, trying to bring up these forms. And I'm like, all right, one of these days I'm going to hit the jackpot, you know, and I'm just going to find the form number and it's just going to pop up for me. And that never happened. That's so interesting. Like the way that they're, the network must have worked. Is it, I, w- I wonder what protocol they were even using. Um, I think it, it was something that it, it, AOL, I think it was called like FDO or something like that. Like I think AOL developed it internally for their, you know, to, but I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know about any of that. <laughs> interesting so did you ever keep in touch with those two guys no so i I actually so um i I, i've actually thought about getting trying to get a hold of chris you know at least i i tried to um like i looked him up once you know when i was like in my 20s you know years ago and i was like man maybe i should reach out to him and see you know because i bet he doesn't work at aol anymore you know maybe he could tell me but um and i thought well i could send him an email address you know send him an email to the to his address at aol see if he still got it but i'm like "Ah, you know what i never never did and then um, Paul, the other guy that I used to talk to, he actually, uh, committed suicide. At least that's what, that's what Chris told me oh, wow. while he was working at AOL. And like, as like a, you know, a kid, I was like, holy crap. Like, you know, like, why would he do that? And, and, and I just remember Chris telling me like, Hey, you know, he had a lot of, he had a lot of demons, he had a lot of problems, you know? And, um, but he was like, he was like, if you ever make it out to, you know, the AOL headquarters, there's like a, a memorial to him and there's like a, a tree that was planted. And I was like, wow, holy crap. You know, I'm like, that's, that's just sad. And like, I wonder today, like, I don't know where, you know, I think the AOL headquarters were in Virginia. I wonder like what happened to that, you know, if it's still there. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. So did you ever get into like the carding scene? Yeah. So that's probably... <laughs> I probably got out of the AOL scene and probably more into the carding scene because um, although AOL really started it off for me, right? I remember, you know, seeing AOL, AOL generate, an, a, you know, generate that card number and it like piqued my interest, you know, I'm like, how the hell are they generating credit card numbers out of thin air? And, you know, AOL is just taking them for accounts. Like how in the, you know, how in the heck does that work? So you know, I'm, I'm a kid, right? Like I don't have a job. I don't have any money. I'm like, how can I, you know, how can I use this to my advantage? Right. What can I, you know, how can I start buying stuff? Right. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like I want, I want gadgets, you know, I want more tech. Like I, I need a better computer, you know, like, like, but I don't have money to do that. Maybe I can use like stolen credit cards to do that. Maybe I can, you know, generate my own credit cards to do that. So, um, I, I, I remember, you know, just being kind of fascinated by it. Right. And I don't remember exactly where I gained my knowledge from. I don't remember if that was like AOL chat rooms or, or what, but I remember AOL stopped working. Do you remember that when you used to, be, used to generate accounts? That was like one of the first things that it did and it stopped working. That was really annoying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, how the hell am I going to get on, get back on AOL? So that's when I kind of took a, a, took a little deeper dive into it. And initially AOL program would just generate a random credit card number, right? And at the time, AOL wasn't able to check those credit cards in real time. So as long as that credit card looked like a a normal credit card and there was an algorithm called the, um, the check digit algorithm or the LUN algorithm, um, and as long as it met that algorithm, AOL would say, okay, we're going to create the account for you, right? And we'll check the validity of the credit card later. Right. So that's how that works. So then at some point, AOL started real-time checking those card numbers. So 
that's when it, the AOL stopped being able to, to generate real accounts. But what people found out was, so the first like four to six digits of a credit card number represent the bank, right? right. The, the, the name of the bank. Um, and they found out that AOL was, was real-time checking lots of banks, but not all of the banks, right? So there was just some that, you know, that they, they couldn't check. They didn't have a connection to for some reason. So like people would be like, hey, if you generate a credit card with, you know, this prefix from this specific bank, you know, Bank of Montreal or something like that, you know, AOL won't be able to check that in real time and they'll let you create your account. So that was sort of like the the game that people played next when it came to um you know to to creating accounts on AOL with with fake credit cards. Um, you needed to find these find these prefixes and you'd still be able to create those accounts. That's super interesting. So they must have had like a server side call set up with like the major banks. Yeah, and there was like an API or something, and then but then the other ones it was like. Back to old carbon copy, like right. you know, you, you take the carbon copy of the credit card and you ship it off, and <laughs> right, right, <laughs> it's real. right, exactly. And 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 I remember at the time there was, you know, there was like these lists of prefixes that you could find in, in programs, and that you, you know, I remember scrolling through, you know, lists of banks, you know, like okay, this prefix is this bank, this is this bank, you know, um, and like you know, just looking for kind of obscure banks that they may not be able to validate. Because I remember like. American Express, that was like a terrible one, like because American Express doesn't work with partner banks, right? So, you know, American Express cards died, you know, you couldn't use American Express, really, you were down to like Visa and MasterCards trying to generate these prefixes. So generate the prefix, but what about the rest of the card number? Did you have a generator for that? Yeah. So at the time, people used to make generators, right? It was well known that people were doing this. So it would say, okay, enter in a prefix, right? And then you'd enter in the, the bank's prefix and then it would generate the card for you. So I was actually pretty fascinated by that and how these how those programs worked. So um, I actually ended up writing my own credit card generator for like a TI-82 calculator um, just to see if I could do it. And like I was in high school at the time and I was like, hey, instead of like paying attention in Spanish class, you know, I'm just going to sit there on my calculator and like, I'm sure I had sore thumbs from typing out the whole program, you know? Um, That's so funny. But yeah, so I had this program. You could like it would it would generate cards. Um, it would validate cards using the um the check digit algorithm. So you could enter in a card number, and it would say, okay, yeah, this one appears to be valid. Um, it would extrapolate cards, so you could put in you know part of a card number, and then it would generate the rest of it. So it did, yeah, it did some what I thought was pretty neat stuff for the time. But uh, um, that's yeah, kind of cool. So what did you do with those numbers once you had them? Order stuff. Right. So, um, so I, I, you know, if I could, right. So I, I obviously I'd get, you know, free AOL accounts. Um, we used to do uh, movie tickets because it was just getting to the, the point where movie theaters, some of them had like kiosks that you could go to or you could order through um, through the telephone. So you could order like movie tickets. Like it was never like, you know, looking back on it, I, I had all these all this access to all these credit cards and stuff like that. But I didn't like I, I could have probably, you know, gotten a lot more money and a lot more things from them. Um, like I ordered like a late like laser pointers. In school, I'd have like a laser pointer pointed at people, you know. Um, but who's the asshole with a laser pointer? You know, yeah, exactly. I'd be like the asshole, you know, but laser pointers at the time, I swear they were like a hundred bucks or something like that. And like, I didn't have money for that, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I'd be like um, a school assembly and somebody has a laser pointer and like every teacher's trying to figure out who it is, you know? Right, right, exactly. And like, I was that asshole, you know, with the, with the laser pointer. Um, That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, I had one and like, we're, we're in the hallway and I was like hitting people with it. And all of a sudden this, this, the vice principal like runs up out of nowhere and he like, he like took my laser pointer from me and I never got it back. I had to order another one. 
That's so funny. Yeah, it's just the shit you do as a kid, you know? Did, did you get in trouble eventually with, with using the, the credit cards? I did. I, I, I got into some shit. Um, so when I was, when I was 15, um, I was charged with essentially credit card fraud, right? The, the, the legal name for that was uh, unauthorized use of a financial transaction device, which you know, sounds pretty scary, right? Um, yeah. So I was 15. I was a minor, obviously, right? So Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, thank God I was a minor. So it was kind of a, you know, how the story went was I had a dedicated phone line that I used for my computer, right. For AOL, for the internet, you know, all that stuff. Right. And I remember trying to connect one day and like, you know, the modem's picking up and it's not getting a dial tone. And I'm like, man, that's, that's really weird. And I've tried it a bunch of times. Like what the hell? Like, why is my phone line working? So I, I ended up, I unplugged my computer. I hooked up just a regular phone to it and the phone starts ringing. And I'm like, why is my phone ringing? Nobody, like it was an unlisted number at the time. Like, you know, like remember unlisted phone numbers, like they weren't in phone books, you know, like, oh yeah. So I pick up the phone and um, this, this guy's like, hello. And I was, I hung up immediately. I'm like, why is somebody calling me on my line? You know, calls again, calls again. And I, and I pick up and I'm like, hello. And he said something. I don't remember if he said my name or he said my parents' name. He said something that like identified me and spooked the hell out of me. And I was like, oh shit, you know, like what's going on? So I hung up, I disconnected the phone, you know, and then like, you know, a day or two later, plug it back in, nobody's calling, whatever. And I'm like, that's really bizarre, you know? And I, and I knew I was doing some stuff that I probably shouldn't be doing, you know? I knew I was doing some illegal stuff at the time. And and I was like, man, that's really bizarre, but all right, whatever, you know? So phone, you know, I'm like, all right, plug my computer back in and got back on AOL, got back on the internet, whatever. Didn't think too much about it. And then I want to say like a couple weeks later, maybe a couple months later, um, you know, I'm, I, it's out of my mind, right? And um, um, we used to get off the get off the bus at school and there was this local restaurant that we used to go to you know just me and a couple of my buddies and we're sitting at rest you know off school and and um after school we're having lunch and all of a sudden um my mom this was before cell phones too like this is how long ago this was my mom calls the restaurant right there she knew i went there sometimes after school and the cook of the restaurant or the owner or something he's like you got a phone call I'm like the hell do I have a phone call for? Like, I don't get phone calls. I'm just a kid, you know? And my mom, she's like, she's like, you need to come home now. I'm like, what are you talking about? I got to come home now. She goes, because the police were at the house today. They raided the house. Like, you need to come home. <laughs> oh, it's not, not a call you want to get at a restaurant. Not a, not a call that I wanted to get. So I'm like, okay, the shit has really hit the fan now. You know, like, this is like, how bad is this going to be? You know, so go How home much do they know <laughs> yeah exactly so i go home and there's no police there there's not like i was expecting like you know like a scene out of like hackers the movie you know with like the swap team and like the you know like the swap van parked outside and all these cop cars you know and um so i get home and there's there's nobody there uh just my mom and she was a dating guy at the time that was an attorney and he was like yeah they they raided your room upstairs we have to go talk to them tomorrow and um so i walk upstairs to my room and it looks like ransacked like you know they they you know the cops like totally tossed my room my computer's gone and i was like oh shit like what am i gonna do like i have no computer now you know and um i'm so bored <laughs> i'm so bored like what am i gonna read a book like what what the hell am i gonna do you know we shared your calculator yeah exactly right um so we go into the you know i, I go into the the police station the next day 
and this this cop he's you know old school cop you know interviewing a kid you know and he's like uh you're using all these credit card numbers and and uh you know we, we know that you bought a lot of stuff with credit cards that weren't yours and he goes you know what what are you buying with them and i'm like nothing you know like accounts and 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 uh you know and he goes you, you're buying like rolex watches you know you're buying real expensive you know what are you what are you doing with the money you're making and i'm like like a kid i don't know what you're talking about man you know and um so but he knew more than I did because he uh, he says, now what what about this? What about these sites that you're visiting? What about this? What about these sites? I'm like talking about. He goes, yeah, we know you're looking at pornography. You know, we we know you're looking at porn sites. I was like, oh, okay, you know. And he goes, so at the time, you know, it's before there was like this. You remember like the live? It was before like live streaming, right? Like it was just just starting. And I of course was using credit cards, you know, for for live streaming, and it was like. Is that like with real player? It wasn't real player. So they used it, so this is like how 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 like cutting edge technology this was. Well, maybe it wasn't I don't whatever. But they used um it was called I want to say it was a, a variation of either major BBS software or PC board BBS software. And it was like the next iteration that uh, whatever BBS software it was, they made. And it, it almost looked like Windows 3.1. Do you remember what that kind of looked like the old school? It sort of it sort of looked like that. It had like a window and you could like you would connect to it. You could connect to it through either a phone line or through the Internet using TCP IP. Right. And once you were connected, it had these little like icons you could click on. And, you know, you would bring up basically a girl, like a stripper, right? Um, and you could chat with her and it was like four or five dollars a minute. And I was using wow. you know, stolen credit cards and racking up the bills, like, you know. That's um, so funny. So that's really where I got in trouble. Um, because that company, they were based in Florida and you know, they they tracked me down. I still think, you know, to this day that got the person that was calling me on my phone line was somebody from that company. Um, but I don't I don't know that for sure. And so, you know, I racked up all these bills and I, I remember I was, I was, you know, there was some signs there too, that I may get kind of busted for this because I remember I was talking to one of the performers, right? One of the, one of the dancers, strippers, whatever the heck they were. And do you remember cracking voicemails? You remember when people wanted voicemail boxes? Yeah. 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 So do you remember, I, I think it was, um, uh, 1-800, like seven touch one was, was one of the numbers that was like an 800, uh, voicemail um that that people would crack right so we would you know we would crack you know people would say okay there's a block of mailboxes that are you know 200 through 300 and the pin is you know one two three four so you would just go in and you would create a voicemail you'd have a voicemail box and on an 800 number so anybody could call you right so me being 15 years old i'm like telling like these these girls you know like hey call me up and leave me a voicemail you know like i'm like i'm cool you know like i'm cool i'm a 15 year old i'm talking to some 20 year old you know porn star you know whatever so I get this voicemail from one of the girls. and She's like, hey, this is Jade. You know, I wanted to leave you this message on here because I can't really tell you when I'm talking to you over the computer. But like my boss is like asking, you know, all this information about like who you are and, and stuff like that. Like, you know, you should really be careful. Wow. She's looking out for you. That's great. She was looking out for me. She actually, yeah, she, I was really surprised. Like she was looking out for me. And then, you know, so it turns out, yeah, this company totally came after me. They wanted something ridiculous. Like, it was tens of thousands of dollars. Not that I had charged that much, not that, you know, but, but, you know, they, they said, okay, well, legal fees and technical fees and chargebacks and, you know, anything they could, they threw on this bill. Right. And, and they said, okay, yeah, you owe like, yeah, I want to say it was like 50 or $60,000, wow. um, which I was like, oh, I'm fucked. 
I, I'm, I'm absolutely fucked. You know, like right. as a, as a kid being, you know, 15 years old, like, yeah, how am I going to pay that? So said that I did it right. Um, they knew that I had did it. I, I kind of pleaded guilty. Right. But it's, it's a juvenile court. Um, and the next thing was this restitution hearing, which was going to be to, you know, to determine how much I was going to owe. Right. And, um, my mom, who I'm, she was dating this, this guy at the time who was an attorney. And he was like, look, you're not going to get out of this. There's no way he's like, you know, you're going to have to pay something. It may not be $60,000. You may have to pay 10% of it, 20% of it. I'm like, shit, that's still like six grand. That's still like 12 grand. Like I don't got it. You know, like my mom, you know, she doesn't have it. I was like, I'm never going to have money for like years. Like I'm just going to be paying off this debt, you know, which is terrible. So my dad was also an attorney. My parents were, were divorced, but my dad was an attorney. And I remember telling him about it and he became like my hero, like my savior. He was like, listen, like he, he wasn't a criminal attorney or anything like this. This wasn't his, like his expertise or anything, but he was like, look, we're going to do anything we can to get you out of this. Like, I don't know. He's like, he's like, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're, we're going to get you out of this. Cause you know, and he brought up a good point. He was like, you're 15. This stuff that you were allegedly purchasing, even though it was with, with stolen credit cards, that's not legal. You can't do that. You can't walk into, you know, a, a store and buy a Playboy. And I was like, okay, you know, makes sense. So it turns out the, the prosecutor's office flew in somebody from this porn company from Florida and they paid their expenses to come in. They paid for their, their ticket. They paid for their hotel. And we had this restitution hearing and my dad, he was, he was coming at it from all sorts of different angles. So at the restitution hearing, he, um, he was asking this guy who was just like an accountant. He was like, did you ever perform? You know, were you ever, were you ever in any of this? You know, he was just trying to like get him rattled, you know, like rattle his cage, you know, and it was wow. all girls. There's no guys in this stuff, you know, that's so funny. And he's trying to rattle his cage and whatever. And, and, um, you know, so the, the judge or the magistrate that was over overseeing the, the hearing was, was like, okay, we got to calm this down, you know, we need to stick to the stick to the facts kind of stuff. And at the end of the hearing, the magistrate was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at the fact here and I'm going to make a ruling. And I was hoping he was going to rule right there and say, Hey, you know, you don't know anything. Right. So after that, my dad had a really good idea. He said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to exhaust all options. So he called the local newspaper and he talked to a, a reporter there and he got a story ran in the local newspaper about how the prosecutor's office flew in these, this pornographer, right, to prosecute a 15-year-old kid for credit card fraud. And that really did it because the, you know, the prosecutor, that's an elected official. So as soon as he, you know, the, as soon as he heard that his office had flown in a pornographer on their dime to try to collect restitution, he was probably like, oh, I can't get elected again. This gets, you know, this gets any bigger, you know, this is it. So um, he shut it down right there and I never had to pay a dime of restitution. That's brilliant. I, I guess, I mean, back in the 90s, man, like pornography had a much different stigma, I think, than today. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely it did. So the story that I just shared is not one that I have shared with a lot of people, obviously, even today, you know. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So then after that, were you like grounded from the internet or like how did your relationship change with being online? Yeah. So, um, obviously it took me forever to get my computer back. You know, I said that when they, when they came and raided it, raided my house, they took my computer, took me forever to get that computer back. I ended up getting like just a real junky, like 486, you know, 25 megahertz. Like it was just slow. So I really wasn't able to get online for, I mean, I was, but it, it was difficult, you know, it was slow. I had a slow modem, you know, and it really, until I got my computer back, 
I was able to get online again, but I think that's probably kind of how I left the AOL scene and then kind of, you know, got onto the internet. Did you just use like a local ISP or how did you get on IRC? That's another story. So I, I had a whole bunch of ISP accounts that, that I never paid for, right? So, um, you know, I, I had carded account. I remember AT&T WorldNet, for some reason, seemed to have the best connections, they had the best modem banks. So I carded accounts to AT&T WorldNet, and I would just use, you know, the TCP IP connections to, to connect into AOL. Another funny story is the local library had an ISP that they were starting. And we figured out that, uh, you know, terrible security, right? Just like a library in the, you know, in the mid nineties, right? So we connected to it. We were able to download the, you know, it was a Unix box. So we downloaded the password file and they didn't have their password shadowed, um, but they were encrypted. So we just run a, we just ran a password cracker on the whole password file. And we had like tons of, of, you know, accounts that would get us on the internet. Interesting. So you, you knew some Linux too back then, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a little kid. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it, it all all of that stuff that I learned really set the foundation, uh, the knowledge and the stuff that I had moving forward, all that stuff did. The knowledge that you, you gained from all that, you're saying that moving forward, you end up using that in your career? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a little bit. So, you know, being on AOL, right, you learned about programming, you learned about development. And like, I remember being a kid and like, uh, I was in seventh grade and I was like reading like, you know, a C, C for dummies programming book, you know, and I'm like looking back on it, thinking to myself, man, I was such a loser. Like seventh grade, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm reading this, a, a C programming book, you know, but like all that stuff, like, you know, all that, the, the visual basic sort of, you know, programming skills that I, you know, that you got from, from, you know, dabbling with AOL. And even, even though I never like made any programs, you know, I was, I was curious about how it worked and sort of all of that stuff, um, you know, kind of led, led me to Chris. So I realized like early on, like, Hey, I don't want to do development. Programming's not for me. Like I remember like sitting there trying to compile stuff and just getting frustrated because, you know, code's not working. And I'm like, man, this, this isn't for me, you know, but, um, I always knew that I was going to get into tech and I'd be in tech and, and that's what my career is today. Nice. So you're in the tech industry now and you, you have some of those skills. It sounds like you ever talk with anybody from the scene back then? I don't because, you know, I, it's funny looking back on it. I, well, I guess it was 25 years ago. Right. So like, I don't remember a whole lot of like people's names, you know, um, you know, I, I was just so young at the time. Like it's hard for me even to look back and remember, um, you know, some of the names of like the private rooms, you know, like if somebody mentions something, I'll be like, oh yeah, that sounds, you know, that sounds familiar. But like, I didn't, I didn't keep, you know, keep in touch with any of those people. What type of job are you at now in the IT industry? Yeah, so I'm a partner in a managed service provider. Um, so basically what we are is the outsourced um, IT provider for small to medium-sized businesses. So our clients are usually, you know, 20 to 50 people. Um, you know, we've got a lot of like legal firms, we've got a lot of medical offices, and they usually can't afford an IT person, right? So that's what we do for them. So I usually say like, hey, if it plugs into the wall, right, it could be a computer, it could be a phone, it could be a printer, we'll support that, right? So we do a lot of work with, with um, just a lot of companies out there. And we've been in business now 20 years. And so a lot of our clients, I mentioned, they're kind of smaller, right? So they were never targeted, you know, for like, they, at least they didn't feel they were targeted for like security, right? They're like, oh, I'm too small. You know, I'm not going to worry about it. But, you know, now everybody's targeted, you know, business email right. compromise, you know, stuff like that. So it's all sort of coming full circle now because, you know, part of what I do is security awareness training. So 
I'll do presentations to my clients on how to avoid things like phishing scams. <laughs> um, it's pretty funny. I never mentioned like, hey, uh, I was probably one of the people that originally, you know, fished people back in the mid 90s. <laughs> it's so funny. It really has came full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely has. But I flipped from sort of being the, the bad guy to being the good guy. And I think that's kind of why I, you know, I was always, I never was involved in the scene as much as I was when I was with AOL. Like when I kind of left AOL, like I always knew where to get wares. I always knew how to download stuff, you know, but I was never really like actively involved in any groups or anything like that because in my professional life, I, I was supporting clients. And, and I remember like, you know, I had access to like my client's email, you know, and I'm like, this is boring. Like, why would I want to go through and like read my client's email? Like, this is boring. You know, I, I just had a different kind of side of looking at things. And that kind of, that kind of changed my, uh, you know, my outlook on, on everything, probably for the better. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool. Well, um, is there anything else you want to mention from uh, your time on AOL? No, I think that I think that kind of covers it. I got to say, I really uh, I think it's great that, you know, you decided to do this podcast. I'm sure you're going to get some interesting people on here. And it's, it's it's funny because I look back on it. I'm like, man, this was only like, you know, months or years of my life. But I remember so much of it so vividly and so much of it laid the groundwork for my life moving forward, which is pretty crazy. I mean, it was a special time, I think, for a lot of us. And I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are probably like me that feel the same way. Yeah, definitely. I also remember it quite vividly. It's crazy. I think going from a world where like you were never online to unlocking the internet and just everything that came with that, it was pretty amazing for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was it for you know I don't know what you know kids nowadays what they're what they're doing or whatever, but um, you know it was just this feeling that you got, you know, when you connected in, you know, and, you know, connected to, to AOL or, and you would go on these chat rooms and there was all these people you could talk to. Like, it was just something that it was, it was unheard of at the time. It was so new and it just gave you this feeling like, like, holy crap, like it, it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. I appreciate it. Yep. Absolutely.